Isn't it great to be in God's house this morning to celebrate Jesus? Amen. In the count of three, let's say Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus. Let's stand together. Look in your hymnal. Are you washed in the blood? Number 330. That's going to be our kickoff song this morning. We're going to do it a little quicker than normal. We're going to do it Butte Creek Baptist way. In your hymnal, number 330. Let's stand to your feet if you're able. If you're comfortable, stand to your feet. Are you washed in the blood? 330. Have you been to Jesus and the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the shed on the cross for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious life, your horrific death, Lord. Thank you for rising from the dead, dead and conquering death. Thank you for uh, ascending into heaven, which gives us a picture of what will happen to us and for your intercession for us to the Father. And Lord, we just pray that you'll bless all of us, that you'll soften our hearts, that we might take in your word and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to go ahead and do the announcements now. And uh, thank you for being here. If you're here visiting with us, thank you for filling the gap. We've got a lot of our regular folks that are out today. And uh, we're glad you're here. Wednesday evening, if, you, uh, if you'd like to come and have dinner with us, we have potluck at 6. And Bible study at 6.45, and we are currently in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and we will, we will probably be in 1 Corinthians 15, unless I decide to do 13. I'm saving 13 for a, um, a, uh, a Sunday morning. 
If you have prayer requests, Flo Downing's number is in the book. Um, the Woman's Bible Study is on October 15th, and that is Facing Your Fears with Faith. That's in the next um, room over there, the fellowship room. You can call into Tennyson if you have any questions about that. The Men's Bible Study is with Pastor PK. He's teaching the, the uh, book of Acts on Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. And one of the good things about that Bible study is Pastries will be provided, okay? Uh-huh. So, Thursday mornings, the Takeoff Pound Sensibly people have uh, their meeting at 8.30 in the next room. And then, um, let's see, let me, let me um, uh, tell you what the scripture is. It's Psalm 34, 4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Yeah, there's no reason for us to be afraid, is there? We, uh, we've got the Lord on our side. He says, he says take, take uh, courage. So that's what we'll do this morning. Thanks, Steve. Uh -huh. Yes, if you're able to stand again, we're going to have a little fun this morning with Keep on the Sunny Side. It's in your praise book number 58. In your that praise book number 58. Keep on the sunny it's, side. This is a fun one that you'll only hear here at Creek Baptist, Baptist Church. So stand if you're able and look in your praise book for 58. Oh, well, there's a dark and a troubled side of life. There's a bright and a sunshine too. Darkness and strife, the sunny side we also may view. Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It will help us every day, it will brighten all the way if we keep on the sunny side of life. Oh, the storm and the scary broke today. Crashing homes that we cherish so dear. Clouds and storms will in time pass away. The sun again will shine bright and clear. Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It will help us every day if we brighten all the way. If we keep on the sunny side of life. See if you can find about three or four people this morning while the instruments play and shake their hand or give them a hug and tell them, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you too. Uh -huh. with a song of hope each day. Though the moment be cloudy or fair, let us trust in your Savior always. Live to God's everyone in your care. Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It will help us every day. It will brighten all the way. We're going to sing it. 
this up to the Lord this morning, number 78 in your hymnal, I love you Lord. We'll take our offering now, if the guys could come forward. Wasn't that pretty? Yeah, yeah without, without any music, that's, that's hard. We're so, um, we're so glad to have uh, John's family here, his mom and sis and and we're glad to have the visitors here, and we hope that you'll make this your permanent home. Father in heaven, we do pray that you'll bless this offering, that you would increase it to the uh, use of, of this church in, in uh, reaching this community for Jesus Christ. And Father, that's our goal, is to be lights, to be lights in this world for you. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
to constantly distribute them for us. And it's just a wonderful ministry. If you have any questions regarding this, there will be some of us in the back that you can answer your questions.
We claim the promise of Romans that says that faith comes by the hearing of your word. And we claim that today, Lord, as we most certainly always need more faith. May you be blessed and may you bless us as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, that would be where we're going to start. Um, if you remember, if you were here last week, we talked about faith, okay? And uh, one of the statements that I made is that faith does not save you, okay? What saves you is the object of your faith. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. So faith in Christ will save you. I've got faith in this chair that is going to hold me up, but it's not going to save me from anything except standing up. And so we talked about faith, and we also talked a, a, a little bit about works. And I think that there probably is some um, confusion in the Christian ranks about faith versus works. Okay, and hopefully we can kind of get that straightened out today. Listen to what this rich young ruler said to Jesus Christ when he approached him in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Okay? It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So obviously this man had some respect for Christ because you just don't run up to somebody and kneel down in front of them. He says this, Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's probably a question that many people have asked over the years and many people still ask today. What, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him kind of interestingly. He said this in verse 17 or in verse 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. Now, if I was going to add to this, I would add, Are you calling me God? Is that why you're calling me good? Because there is no one good but God alone. You just called me good. Do you believe that I am the Son of God? because that's kind of what Jesus was referring here. He says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. So the rich young man said, teacher, he declared in verse 20, all these things have I kept since I was a boy. Really? All these things I have kept since I was a boy. I love this next verse, 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know, I would have loved to seen the look on Jesus' face when this man said, hey, yeah, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. Well, I mean, all of us know he really didn't keep all those things. Jesus said, if you look at a woman the wrong way, you've committed adultery, okay? Uh, you know, if he was a rich young ruler, did he ever defraud one another? Or did he honor his mother and father by taking care of them? And there's a lot of, a lot of paths that we can go on here. 
So Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know, Jesus loves us even though we are sinners saved by grace, doesn't he? One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. There is some um, controversy on what that meant of going through the eye of a needle. Obviously, you could not put a camel through the eye of a sewing needle, right? That's impossible. And this, in the Greek, really does refer to a sewing needle. However, as an idiom, do you remember the gates that were at a, at a city? They had gates that you would enter in, and they were low, and they were, they were small because of invaders, because of uh, war, possibly. And if you were going to take a camel inside the city, a camel had to basically get on his knees and crawl in, and it was hard to get a camel because they're kind of stubborn, to, to get into the city. And that may be what he was referring to. Either or, we go on, it says this. It's, it says that um, the disciples, verse 26, were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So, to become saved on your own is impossible. To become saved with God and His salvation is possible. It's possible for anybody to be saved with God. Well, let me, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, you don't have to turn to verses 19 Jesus says, do not store up treasure for yourself here on the earth, but store up treasure in heaven where uh, uh, rust and moth do not decay. For wherever your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So, he said, what must I do? What must I do to be saved? Well, we go on to... Um, John chapter 6, you're welcome to turn there if you want to. We go on to John chapter 6, and Jesus is going to plainly tell us what we must do to be saved. In John 6, starting at verse, let's see, starting at verse 28, Jesus is talking to the people there that are Therefore, his teaching. He had just got finished feeding the 5,000. He had walked on water. He had done many miraculous things. And in verse 26, it says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, 
You are not looking for me, not you are looking for me, but because you saw the miraculous signs, not because of those signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now listen to this. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Basically kind of the same question that the rich young ruler put forth to Jesus, but only in a, just a different way. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered, verse 29, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. If you want to do the work of God, believe in the one he has sent. What does believe in mean? It means to trust in, rely upon, and cling to Jesus Christ. That's what the word believe means. Trust in, rely upon, and cling to Jesus Christ. In Acts 16.31, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. you notice it does not say, Believe and be baptized. Or believe and be confirmed. Or believe and do good works. Or believe and buy Girl Scout cookies. Okay? doesn't say any of those things, does it? It says, believe, trust in, rely upon, and cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Well, let's go here to um, Ephesians chapter 2. And this is an absolutely beautiful scripture. We know it well, but I, I want to emphasize it to you today because God has ordained good works for us to do. And we're going to see that James, we're going to get into James, and James is very, very strict about his interpretation, and he doesn't mince any words, but I want to make sure that you understand what Paul says here. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's go to verse 4, okay? Ephesians 2, 4. It says, But because of His great love for us, God loves us. God, who is rich in mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is God keeping us from what we deserve. What we deserve is punishment and hell, and mercy keeps us from that. What is grace? Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy keeps us from what we do deserve. Does that make sense to everybody? It says here, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Notice that that is past tense. It is by grace you have been saved. In the Greek, this, this particular verb has the connotation of once something has happened, it stays happening. All right? Once you've been saved, you stay saved. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and, you'll notice, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
In God's perspective, which we don't really quite understand, okay, we are seated in heavenly realms with Him right now. We're just going through the process right now of receiving our salvation and of building up the rewards that God will give us, Jesus will give us at the Bema Seat of Jesus Christ, which we study in first, I think it's first Corinthians chapter three, it might be second Corinthians three, but it is second Corinthians three. Here's what it says. It says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us. To us in Christ Jesus. In one of the verses of the Bible, it says, Your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has it entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. We can't even imagine it, my friends. We don't even have... You know what? Try to imagine the greatest happiness, the greatest joy, the greatest things that you could ever hope for to have, and they're greater than that, by a long shot, all right? He goes on. He repeats himself in verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, past tense, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. The grace is a gift, and the faith is a gift. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, is that clear to everybody? We are not saved by works. We're saved by grace. However, look at the next verse. Verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared good works for each one of us from eternity past. Now, sometimes it's hard to know exactly what God's will is, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the point is this. We're saved by faith, but God has appointed good works for us to do individually. And you know what? It's all about the grace He's given you personally and all about the faith that He gives you personally. You see, some of us are not preachers. Some of us are not teachers. Some of us don't have the gift of encouraging. Some of us don't have the necessary things to have be a giver, a giver of time, a giver of money, a giver of prayers, a giver of those things. But God has given each one of us a gift, it says, and that gift is to be used for the body, the whole body, never to be used for us itself. I'm going to read verse 10 again to you. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now we turn to James, if you will. And we studied a little out of James last week, but this goes right along with what we were studying. Go to James, and we'll start in verse, or in chapter 2. Now listen to what James 
says, and it's a safe statement that I'm going to make to you right now. God has invested himself in you, hasn't he? He saved you by the death of Jesus Christ. So God has invested in you, and God expects a return on his investment. Okay? He really does. Look what James says. He says this in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, has no works? Can such faith save him? That's the question. Here's an example. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister. So we're talking, we're talking to Christians about Christians, okay? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. That's not good. So they're poor. They're, they're basically, I would say, destitute here. If one of you, one of you believers, says to him, quote, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, end quote. But does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? It isn't any good, is it? If I see my brother or my sister in destitute times and I don't do anything to help them, you know what? It's no good. It's just simply no good. He goes on. He says this. In the same way, verse 17, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Remember, faith is the root and love is the fruit. Someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. And then James hits us right between the eyes with this statement. He says, you believe that there is one God? Good! Even the demons believe that and they shudder or tremble. He says in verse 20, You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Now he gives us an example about Abraham. He says, Was not our, our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? That's a question. Now here's the answer, and I love this verse. This should be underlined or highlighted in your Bible. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. That's his faith, isn't it? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. I've given you the example several times that faith, if you look at a boat, okay, a, a, like a sport boat, faith is the motor that's, that gets the boat going and the works should be the wake that follows the boat. Okay, And if there's no wake following the boat, then the motor must not be running because that boat's not running. We go on. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and we're going we're gonna to look at faith 
and actions, okay, or faith and works. This is one of the most interesting and, and uh, uh, amazing chapters in the Bible. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, this is the NIV version, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. We are sure of what we hope for. You know what I'm hoping for? I'm hoping that the Lord will return and take me to heaven. Whether that be in the rapture or whether that be through death. That's my hope. I hope to, to live with, with Jesus Christ forever. And remember something about hope. When you look at the original language about hope, it has in it the, the connotation of confidence. I am Hope makes me confident of what I believe in. He goes on. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I like the King James better. It says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has substance, doesn't it? And faith has evidence. What's the evidence of our faith? Our works, right? Our attitude, our words, what we say, what we do, how we treat people. That's the evidence that our faith brings out, isn't it? And if you do not have any evidence of your faith, you should probably check yourselves to make sure you are in the faith. And that's what it says, I believe it's in Peter. Now we go on, this is, this is awesome. He starts out with God. In verse 3, faith, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. God spoke things into existence, and they came into existence. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? You know, what would be the first thought that comes to your mind? First thought that comes to my mind is speaking some money into existence. That's really not very good, is it? No, maybe we should speak happiness into existence or speak love into existence or something like that, right? So God worked. God worked for six days, didn't he? And on the seventh day, he, he rested. So we see that God worked. Look at the next verse in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered. What did Abel do? He offered. He offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And this is amazing. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. What a legacy. Abel still witnesses about God even though he's dead. And what was the, what was the thing that made Abel a righteous man. Abel brought something he did not create to God. He brought an animal for sacrifice. He bought, brought God's creation to God. In the, the idea that he had seen, or had heard at least, about God speaking and showing uh, Adam and Eve the sacrifice that made the skins that was a part of the skins that their body was. He was witnessing about what Jesus Christ 
was going to do way, way, way back when. Cain brought an offering of vegetables, etc., stuff that he had to do. So what was Cain's problem? Is Cain brought works with no faith. Abel brought faith in God's works. Look at the next one. By faith, verse 5, Enoch was taken from this life. He was raptured so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. He walked with God for over 300 years. And you know what God decided to do? Come on up, buddy. You don't need to face death. Come on up. Look at the next one. It says in verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him, who comes to God, must, number one, believe that He exists. And number two, believe that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I like the King James better. Without faith is it impossible to please God for he that comes to God must first believe that he exists and believe that he rewards those who are diligent in searching for him. And you know, I think about that word diligent. In the Greek, the word diligent means to crave. It means to crave God. Do, don't answer this, do we crave God? Do I crave God? Now what I pray for, I'll tell you, I'll share, share with you my prayer. I don't claim to be diligent because to me being diligent offers a lot more than what I'm offering God. But what I do claim is I claim the diligence of Jesus Christ. He was diligent for sure. And when I pray this prayer, I, this is a part of my prayer every morning, I say, Lord, help me to be diligent. I claim the diligence of Jesus Christ and I apply it to myself. Well, God created, Abel offered, Enoch walked with God. What's the next one? Noah. Look at Noah in verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. It had never rained on the face of the earth in Noah's day. They didn't know what rain was. They had springs of water. But he was warned that there was going to come a deluge. And here he did. Noah, because God said it, built a huge boat. A boat that was the size of one and a half football fields long. And he endured all of the criticism from those around him. What you doing, Noah? Hey, Let's bring our pickup trucks out and we're going to go and watch Noah build this boat in the middle of a desert. Pass me another bud, would you? <laughs> I mean, think of what Noah went through. I mean, just the, 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 the humiliating things that he went through. And you know what it says? It says this, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, in reverence for God's word, 
built an ark to save his family, but that's not all. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah changed the entire complexion of humankind in the world, didn't he? Wow. Abraham, verse 8, by, Ab by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would after receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, though he did not know where he was going. God told Abraham, I'm, I want you to go, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lead you, and you're going to go to a place that I'm going to show you. Would you go? I don't know, man. My luck, he'd send me to Kansas or something. You know? I don't know. That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It says, Abraham went. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, in, as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in, the fo in a foreign country, he lived in tents. Now listen. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham didn't build his family a building. He said, uh-uh. No, I'm just a sojourner here. This is temporary. I am looking forward to that place that God builds. Jesus said this, If I go, I will build... Help me out here. I will build... A, I will prepare... Thank you, that's the word I was looking for. I will prepare a place for you and I will come back and get you and you can be where I am. Now that was almost 2,000 years ago. It used to take me about a year or a little over a year to build one of those fancy, fancy houses that sold for a million bucks. Jesus has been working at it for 2,000 years or at least God the Father has. So one of these days, God the Father is going to say, my son, go get him. Go get him. Abel offered by faith. Enoch walked with God by faith. Noah built an ark in the middle of a desert by faith. Abraham believed and he obeyed and he went and became the father of many nations. And the list goes on and on and on. What good thing must I do? That was the question that the rich young ruler asked Jesus. And when I was studying this, the first thought that came to my mind was this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That's what he wants us to do, my friends. Trust in, rely upon, cling to Jesus Christ. We are his family. I've got just a couple more scriptures to read to you that go along with this that'll, um, that'll help you 
in your faith. Philippians chapter 1, you don't necessarily have to turn there if you don't want to. Here's what it says. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. I'll wait for you to get there if you want. Paul says this, and it's, it's so, and this should be highlighted in your Bible for sure. My Bible's got so many highlighted things anymore that I'm going to have to get an unhighlighted Bible just to highlight it again. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you, verse 3. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that would be God, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, it's not our work. It's His work. It's His work that He has given us of the privilege of doing, and He will make sure that we can continue to do His work until that day of Christ Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, listen to what he says there. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. You see, God has given us, the people in this room right now, a partnership. We are partners in reaching Eagle Point together, in reaching White City together, in reaching Sam's Valley, and maybe more. We're partners in that. One brings an encouragement. One brings a word. One brings a teaching. One gives money so that the church can function and continue. We're a partnership in this way. You are a partner with God and with all of us in bringing the gospel message to this community. Second Timothy. I'm going to read a couple just out of that. Let me see how we're doing for time. Oh my goodness, we've got a couple hours left. Wow. Okay. Second Timothy. No, we really don't, visitors. Alright, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Love this verse. I'm going to start in verse 14. Second Timothy 2, 14. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who, who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Proven. A proven ser servant. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I'm going to go ahead and, and bring in the next uh, couple of verses too. It says, avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Look at 2 
Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Here's what it says. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed. Even Leviticus. <laughs> All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What's the result? Here's the result clause. So that the man of God and women of God may be thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to read this one to you too because it's a good one. It goes right along with our, our study. Hebrews 6.10 says this. And this is awesome. I mean, think about this, uh, especially for those of you who do really try to serve the Lord as best as you can. It says in Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. In order to make your hope sure, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. God is not unjust. He's not going to forget our works. He's not going to forget what we do. And you know what? It may be the simplest thing in the world. You may be in the woman or men's bathroom and there's a towel on the floor and you say, Lord, I'm going to pick that up instead of waiting for the janitor to pick that up. Or maybe something like on Wednesday night you bring a potluck dish that you, you worked at. You, know, you worked at doing that and God blesses you for that. I got one more scripture, maybe, to read to you. And this is, this is kind of the finale. Okay, it's Romans chapter 12. Listen to what it says. We all know this scripture, but it is one of the most beautiful scriptures in the world. And it is timely for us. It says, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore, it's there for a reason. Okay? And the reason is, is but what I've been talking to you about today. Faith and works do what? They go together, don't they? That's what James told us. He says, Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, in the Greek this has the connotation of Paul begging us. He's begging us. This apostle is begging us, brothers, so he's speaking to Christians, in view of God's mercy, God did not give us what we deserve. He gave us what we did not deserve, which is heaven, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. The King James says it's your reasonable service. It is reasonable for us to offer everything we have to God because of what He has offered to us. That's reasonable. I'm going to... Um, let, let me read just the, the next verse. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you're worried or concerned about knowing what the Lord's will is, there's the formula. Then you will be able to test and approve of what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you are willing to offer your bodies to God as a reasonable sacrifice, then you will know God's will. Because He'll tell you. He'll show you. Jesus said this in Revelation 22, 12, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to have faith in you. Help me to show my faith by what I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Two after twelve, that's not bad. That's not bad. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be dismissed this morning with a song you don't really even probably won't even need the page number for it's Family of God. It's four hundred and nineteen if you need it, but I was hoping that uh, you know we're all a team. I keyed in on that during the message and uh, let's stand together if you're able and let's uh, hold hands with the ones next to you and even across the aisle if possible and we're gonna sing together uh, uh, the family of God and uh, just as a family we're going to bond together uh, in your prayer time this coming week if you can put Vance Strunk in your prayer time those of you who knew, know him he used to sit right here behind Nancy Lilly and had the hearing aids and stuff he's going to have hospice called in for Monday and he's 90 uh, what is he Flo do you know 96 or 98 He's 98. Anyway, keep him in your prayers today. And as a team, let's just lift him up and let's pray this morning. Uh, okay, you want to pray for him? Sure. Let's pray for him right so now. Father in heaven, we do hold up Vance to you, and we ask that, Lord God, you just bless him. If he's dying, Lord God, we pray that you'll bless him with dying grace, mm -hmm. that, Lord, you would uh, relieve any pain that he might have, that you'll bless him with a Christian hospice person, mm -hmm. and that, Father, you would just... Um, just work in his heart and mind and soul in a special way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And he is ready to see Jesus. So. Ready? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joined heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Wow, you guys sound great. Man, you top notch. Have a great afternoon.